This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is, well, at least a little bit geopolitically safer than the rest of the world. In saying that, here's Andrew Page from strawman.com. How are you, buddy? <laughs> are, you, are you saying that I'm, I'm a threat to geopolitical stability? What's, I'm, what, what, I'm letting our listeners draw whatever conclusions they feel free to, <laughs> to draw. I'm, of course, Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool, and we are the guys who bring you The Motley Fool Money podcast a couple of times every single week. Uh, Andrew is the founder and managing director of strawman.com, which apparently I've heard on the grapevine is a private investment club, mate. Is that, is that about right? You, you've heard correct. There you go. I pay <laughs> attention, see? You, you thought do. I was just whistling Dixie. I'm actually paying attention. <laughs> uh, they reckon repetition is the way you get messages through. So if that is true, that message has well and truly got through to our listeners. And, of course, The Motley Fool provides you know, independent financial advice. So uh, if you want some uh, stock recommendations, come and see us. If you want to join a great community of like-minded investors, go and check out strawman.com or preferably do both. Uh, the finance industry is big. We are kind of half quasi-competitors, kind of, but the reality is there are so many bad guys out there. Um, if you're going to spend money joining two different investment communities, different investment services, I would humbly suggest with absolute bias, but also absolute conviction uh, that The Motley Fool and Straw Man are two of the very best out there. So let's you go with it. that. You're absolutely. Mate, um, I'll tell you what, 2022, hey, I, you know, there is. I'm, I'm only pleased that having had 2021, when we, end of 2020, we said, I hope 2021 is better. Good riddance, 2020. This time around, no one was really... I didn't see a single person ever. Social media, traditional media, friends, family, no one said, good wins 2021, 2022 is going to be so much better. We all kind of went, oh, man, the third year of this crap. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of how the year started and probably just as well because it's been a hell of a ride share market-wise. Um, you had a stat you found recently, apparently. Yeah, apparently, uh, at least this is true of the US market. I haven't done the mm. stats on, on the Aussie market, but it's the worst start to the year on record for the S&P oh, 500. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not been pretty. Uh, our market's not doing all that much better, even if it is. I actually did some stats the other day, which I'll, which I'll drag up uh, in real time because I should have done this already and I didn't and I, I should bring it up. It's, you know, you know what's funny how people, you've talked a lot of times, I think we even said last week about, you know, the whole, trip around the sun means literally nothing. So the fact mm. that we're in exactly the same solar, solar place as we were 365 days ago literally means nothing um, other than we kind of find a point and a time and a place to mark something. And look, measuring performance does matter. So, you know, we're not of the of the school thought saying, well, who cares, don't worry, it doesn't matter, all that kind of stuff. We are literally saying, hey, here's where we find ourselves and, it's, um, you know, it's worth it's worth checking in. But here, can I, can I, can I share this with you? I wrote this on... What was that Monday this uh, Tuesday this week, right? So we're doing this on Friday. We're recording this early as we always do. But but I'm just going to write you the fir- read you the first few lines and paragraphs. I will get your initial response, mate. Then we'll go on to some of the bigger macro stuff. But mm-hmm. here's what I wrote: As I write this, the ASX has just closed. The All Ordinaries is down another two point three percent. But some context: The All Ordinaries is now at a level last seen in May last year. <laughs> yes, going nowhere in eight months isn't great but it's hardly a disaster, right? It's also still up 3% over the past 12 months, plus dividends making the return probably somewhere close to 7 or 7.5%. Not ideal, but not terrible. The headlines will focus on the daily movements. The last week, maybe 2022 to date. Those numbers will be accurate and real, but they won't tell the story. Which is not to ignore the very real feelings of nervousness and fear that many people have right now. We humans are funny. We take the gains in our stride, but panic 
falls, uh, paddock about falls of precisely the same size. Mm. If your $100 invested 12 months ago was worth $107.50 today and you knew nothing else, you might wish the result was closer to the historical 9 or 11% average, but I doubt you'd give it a second thought. Isn't that how we should approach investing though? I think so. And rather this week, just to kind of, again, that the whole, you know, again, arbitrarily, you know, one year trip around the sun, 7.5%. Um, but it was it just it just worth, I think, sometimes pointing out that you pick an arbitrary start date and you say, the market's had X since then. And that's, again, it's real. It's true. It's not, there's nothing fake about it. And, you know, if we had a perfect crystal ball, we would have sold on January 1 and waited until now and avoided the losses and all that kind of stuff. But perspective kind of helps, right? Perspective is everything. Yeah. I mean, I think a useful analogy here is one perhaps you could draw between what, the weather is and what the climate is. Yeah, not you know, you can have a very cold summer day. You can have a very hot mm-hmm. uh, winter day. You know, um, but it, it's more about the broader picture, I suppose. Yeah, I like the, that. That's a good the, point. the 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 tighter you zoom in, the more it's mm-hmm. just noise. Yeah, exactly. And the broader you zoom out, there's yeah. it's it's more signal. Um, yeah. There's no there's no clear delineation. It's not like at a, mm-hmm. you know at exactly 482 days now it's <laughs> now it's real. Exactly. Um, but that is that is the really challenging part. And we've said it before. Yeah. This, this is what makes this game so fascinating slash frustrating is that you mm. can do really dumb things and get rewarded. You can do really smart things <laughs> and get and get punished. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're exactly right. Another another thing that I um, saw on Twitter, which I just thought was excellent um, mm. from a guy called Ben Carson, a uh, US investor that I follow. He actually published a table going back to 1928 for the, uh, for the US. Mm. And he, he, next to each year, he said the year end return. So how much uh, the market was up or down in a, in a okay. calendar year. But next to that, he also had what is called the intra-year drawdown. So the the biggest fall top Mm -hmm. to bottom throughout the year. And the title of the tweet was, this is normal. And um, <laughs> I retweeted it. So if you find, uh, if you find me, you'll there see you it as the most recent tweet there. But it, 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 it's, mm. it is so fascinating because obviously, as you'd expect, over all those years, we've had some up years, we've had some down years. Um, for the statistically minding it, minded, it tends to be sort of two years up for every one year down on right, average. Right, right. Yep. Um, uh, the average tends to be around sort of 10%, but, you know, it's generally bottom left, top right, just in a zigzaggy line. The interesting thing was in the mm-hmm. intra-year drawdown, there were some huge numbers, <laughs> even in some of the even in right, some of the right. most attractive years that, that we've had. Mm-hmm. 1987 was one that stuck out to me. So th- this, is, mm-hmm. this was down 30, this was the big stock market crash of 1987. It was down 33.5% top to bottom in that year. But over the yeah. calendar year, it was actually up almost 6%. <laughs> it's crazy, hey? Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2009, uh, the GFC was mm-hmm. an interesting one as well, although 2008 was probably when most of the damage was done. But still, in 2009, yeah. we saw 27% top to bottom. Yet the yet overall, the year was up 25.9%. <laughs> That's crazy. So, just think about uh, those two numbers side uh, by side. Isn't it amazing? And the most yeah. recent year, just to bring it back to a, to a more contemporary time frame, We've had uh, 2020 uh, was was mm-hmm. 18% up that year. Although in that wow. year, obviously, which is when the, the pandemic first hit, it was down 34%. Mm-hmm. So it it's kind cool. of, it, it really is normal. I, I feel that there's part of me that always feels a little bit Pollyanna-ish when you say these kinds of things because <laughs> yeah, right. it doesn't sound very smart to shrug your yeah, shoulders yeah. and go, oh, oh this, this kind of stuff happens. And, you know, it always feels a bit different this time. 
Um, and maybe it is. Maybe this is the other thing to draw from this this observation is I, I don't I want to be clear here. None of neither of us are saying you know oh that that, that means it's fine and everything's going to go yeah. up from here. We're not. It could get it could go down fifty percent more from here for for all I know. Yeah, I've, totally. I've got no idea. But mm-hmm. the point is is that although it's been a terrible start to the year, although there's lots of red mm-hmm. on the screen, although some stocks have been really knocked around, it's actually just it really is normal. This this is genuine genuinely what happens. You have mm-hmm. you have to pan out. You really, really do. <clears throat> I think it's a, sorry, Smith, it's a really good point. I think it's one of those things where you, you know, I, I, again, I'll, 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 obey, I'll, I'll wrap for the second week in a row. Morgan Housel's book, The Psychology of Money. Um, I would, I, you know, I, I like to make arbitrary rules and pretend stuff. I, I would I would literally say to anyone, don't invest in other dollars. You've read this book. It literally is that good. Um, yeah. But uh, he talked about the, the, why pessimism sounds so smart. And it really, really does. And optimism sounds Pollyanna-ish. It sounds benign, neglectful, or even worse, um, you know, actively neglectful. Why wouldn't you try and do this or try and do that? And it's kind of like that's the thing. You, so you you wouldn't try to do stuff if it was possible. It's, it's not, you know, the, the the kind of the optimism or the benign neglect thing of like just let write it out is not because, you know, we wouldn't want to do something better if it was possible to do. But oh, the yeah. sheer reality of this is trying to time the market is just dumb. It's probably going to cost you money. It's certainly going to cost you brokerage. You're probably going to pay more in tax and you're probably still going to get it wrong on average. Yeah. You know, we know 90% of day traders lose money. That numbers have been done sometimes up to 80-something percent of people who trade, I think it was CFDs, go broke. Literally, their mm. accounts get wiped out. You know, th- these things are not- Horrible products. If, you, if you're yeah. trading them, oh. stop. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. So seriously. Yeah. If you if you want to if you want to put some money on fire, give it to a charity instead. Seriously. If you if you want to be poorer, give give it a charity rather than give it some other bloke this over computer screen. Um, yeah. But the, yeah. the point the point was broadly that you know it it it's if it was possible we do it. <laughs> That's the point. It's not possible. I wish it was. You can think it is. It's not. Don't do it. Stick with it. But let's go back a, you know, a step because can I just um, say just quick, just sorry quickly Please? mate just just on that so. At the, at the current moment, the big and well, this is what we're going to talk about, I suppose. But and we've been talking about for a while, in fact, which is which is kind of the point, which is the big boogeyman that's sort of out there at the moment is is inflation. Um, something yeah. the US that's number, what the, get amount, back to. the the amount of US uh, dollars in circulation is increased mm. by almost twenty five percent in in the last few years. Yeah. It's it's phenomenal. The amount of you know money printing. <laughs> That has, that has occurred has been rife. And so for the longest time, people have been saying this is going to lead to a lot of inflation, this is going mm-hmm. to be really bad. The thing is, yeah. and maybe that's true, and, and that's that's mm-hmm. what's got everyone worried at the moment, but, but just to follow on from your point, that point has been made, I think, as far back as... Uh, well, I mean, they, they, started, they started doing a lot of this in, after, in the wake of the GFC um, for this tapering... Uh, sorry, for this uh, quantitative easing, et cetera, et cetera. But to, to your point, ha- had you thought, oh my gosh, this is terrible, this is, <laughs> is going to lead to a lot of inflation and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to move all to cash and then I'm going to, once, once sort of the dust settles, then I'll, I'll put it all back in, i.e. I'm going to try and time the market, mm-hmm. you would have lost... The opportunity cost would have been staggering. And even if the yep. market falls, you know, 40% from here, right. you're still going to be worse off than, than what you would have been. And yet it, was a, it wasn't a stupid... Um, or silly observation or, or, or prediction. There, there was a lot of mm. good reason to think that that perhaps yeah. this this could have consequences. But mm. that's that's that, that's exactly the point. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe that's true. <laughs> As it turned out, it was a terrible terrible thing to do to move yeah. your entire portfolio to cash a few years ago because you've missed mm. out on, on phenomenal gains in spite in, in factoring in the current drawdown that we're experiencing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, mate. Let, let's let's spend a little bit more time in that macro space, then we'll get back to to the kind of what it means for investors. But 
part of the part of the last month, the the start the worst start or one of the worst starts to the year for the S and P five hundred in history. Absolutely, and this is you know. This is the stupidity of picking just arbitrary dates, right? The, the idea of moving, uh, you know, if the year had finished on January 25, then last year's numbers would have been lower and we would have started with a better start or you move it back a month and it changes. So it's all a bit silly, but it's worth talking about that fall because the market's had a reasonably ordinary month. Mm. In fact, if you're a growth investor, it's fallen even further and harder and there's a lot of stuff going on, mate. It's one of those things where I kind of, you know, sat down and we, as we started thinking about it, I wrote down inflation, interest rates, war, and a pandemic. So 2022 off to a good start, hey? <laughs> and that's kind of what it feels like. And that's, that's kind of why I, you know, it's, uh, there's so much to go. Let, let's not go, let's not get to investor mentality yet. Let, let's just stick with the facts for now. So let's go mm. through them. Inflation in the US, 7%. The Fed is already talking about multiple rate hikes this calendar year. Uh, the... So, so that's the inflation interest rates part. There is some reasonable belief that Australian inflation will continue to rise. The Kiwis had their highest inflation rate in 31 years during the week. Mm. So it's, it's, you know, global inflation is, is really, really real. And it's something that central banks know if they don't do something about. And this is the interest rate challenge. I'll ask you about it in a sec, but just to quickly touch on it. Um, you know, there, there are two ways that life can cost you more. Either you can pay more for your debts or inflation can take away your purchasing power or both. Mm. And neither is, you know, and sometimes you're after a, a worse, a least worse case choice, which is do you want to pay more for your mortgage and business loans or do you want to get less for your money? Because, and maybe it's both, maybe it's neither. But if you've got to choose between those two, then you need to choose wisely. War is on the agenda, mate. You, uh, the Russians are, are massing on the on the border with Ukraine. I'm no geopolitical military expert, certainly no, uh, no Russia expert. Uh, I don't imagine you're much more qualified than I am in that area, but nope. it's also weighing on markets right now what might happen, both from a purely geopolitical perspective, but remembering, of course, that Russia supplies much of Europe's winter gas. Now, at some in, in some senses, they're coming out of their winter, so maybe it's a good time to have a blue with them. But the reality is that petrol price is already a dollar ninety a litre in some places in New in Sydney, uh, in yeah, Sydney, yeah, um, and around Australia. Um, but it's kind of happening, and then the COVID stuff, this shadow lockdown that really is happening, whether you like it or not, not not mandated, but people are choosing simply to say, "I'm pulling my horns in." It's a heck of a quartet. Um, probably no surprise that the year is off to a, a rough old start. Let's um. I don't even know how to how to even start to handle it. We've talked about the pandemic a lot. We've talked about inflation rates a reasonable amount. Um, the the Ukraine war is different and kind of uncertain, unknowable. Let me start there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, potential for war in Ukraine. Potential for higher higher tensions, maybe ongoing tensions between Russia and the West. Mm. It's going to hurt asset prices, particularly for oh, sorry commodity prices, particularly for energy. It may has the, the chance to impact asset prices because people feel more fearful, particularly in the context of those other three things I talked about. If you're already saying, hey, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the macro and saying, what are the reasons for hope? Well, maybe there's a recovery, maybe there's not. What are the reasons for fear? Well, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you know, inflation, interest rates, war and pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think about the war in Ukraine or the potential for war in Ukraine in that context, mate, from an investing perspective? Yeah, so let me be clear. This is from an investing perspective because, you know, there's there's mm-hmm. other more important perspectives yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, are, that are out there uh, in regard yes. to that. But, it, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very much what you would you would term a bottom-up investor. In other words, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very focused on the business sort of first mm-hmm. and sort of the macro last. I mean, it, it, is, yeah. it is if that escalates, that has the potential to really do a lot of damage to sentiment. And sentiment is everything in the short term yeah. on the market. 
But yeah. again, at the risk of sounding Pollyanna-ish, um, mm-hmm. what does that? What is the direct mm-hmm. impact mm-hmm. on? Uh, pick a random company, zero, and its earnings yeah. capability. Yeah. You know what? What? What tensions? But are are mm-hmm. businesses around the world, particularly in the Asia Pacific, um, are they going to not renew their zero subscription? As a result of this, uh, mm-hmm. are they not mm-hmm. going to be able, you know what I mean? It's sort of like yeah, you, totally. you've got to sort of, I think, we, we talk about the market all of the time, which mm-hmm. is this weighted index of all of the stocks yeah. that are on there. And, you know, obviously <laughs> energy stocks, it's a little bit different, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But, but the, within that, there's a bunch of companies, I would argue, um, with an entirely straight face, that probably won't have any impact whatsoever on the business yep. on sentiment sure yep. on the share price sure um, in terms of in terms of how they earn a dollar and their mm. their long-term um, future potential of earning more dollars mm. I just don't I, I really don't see how that that has an impact and so for me when when I see these things happen that's always that's always the, the question of, of the companies that I've that I'm holding how is this going to impact them and I, the actual business and its actual cash flows and its actual prospects. And for the most part, the answer is not much. Um, it, it could mean um, optimistically or, or to look at it from an optimistic standpoint that I have the opportunity to put a bit more money to work in some of these businesses <laughs> um, because the market is freaking out about these, these kinds of things. Um, and that, 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 is a, that is a nice set of circumstances when you have business conditions of potential quality, et cetera, et cetera, not impacted but price severely impacted. That's that's a really nice um, confluence of, of, of events, as opposed to the business suffering and the share price going down. Um, so I th- that's that's how I tend to think mm-hmm. about that. I like that, mate. I think it makes a whole lot of sense. I, I wonder if you can take me back to the business, though, because the concerns might be around the. Uh, squeezing of margins generally with higher costs, and we kind of talked to inflation a little bit, can be uh, concerns of a, a global recession driven by some of this stuff that will not spare Australia. And to use the zero example, there may be fewer small businesses or simply businesses that won't pay or aren't prepared to pay that sort of money. And, yeah. and or maybe investors simply pay less for those lower profits or less for higher profits in a PE sense because of those general fears and concerns. Yeah. To the extent that anything is only worth eventually what someone will pay for it. I mean, we can we can estimate value in the meantime, but if you mm. want to sell your shares, you're going to sell them at, if someone's giving you a price you think is worthwhile. Um, uh, you know, how does that, does that impact your concerns that the kind of the broader macro about what happens next? Uh, no. And, and I, I think it's not because of the specific set of circumstances that we now face, but more mm. at the time of making these investments. Mm. Did you make an investment in these particular businesses with the assumption that the world would never experience a recession. Right. Um, uh, I think that's really, I think that's really dangerous. I think that's where asset prices really start to get, to get uh, carried away. So did I know that, um, well, we we haven't had one yet, but let's assume that there is a a pretty nasty recession as a consequence of all of this kind of stuff. Did I know that that we were going to have a recession in 2022 that was going to be driven by those unique events? No, of course not. Mm. Did I know that we were going to have a recession at some point? Yeah, of course Mm. I did. Mm. Like that's that's Mm. really, really easy to predict, (laughs) you know, and that we will have, you know, we'll have recessions on a fairly regular basis. I mean, that is the economic cycle um, Mm -hmm. by definition. So I, I think, and, and this is this is what I think is interesting about this current sell down is that you're you're seeing the sentiment change and and 
that's driving the prices down, but they're being driven down from levels that I would argue, particularly in tech, particularly in growth, that we're just always crazy because we've used this term a number of times, but price for perfection really springs for mind. You've, you've got these wonderful business, like I'll pick on zero again, just for the sake of it, but, but what a wonderful business. I think it's one of the, mm. the best businesses on the ASX. Mm. You know, it's, it's even now it's still trading on 20 times sales, sales, not earnings, sales, <laughs> you know? So, and, and this is, this is particularly true in some of the smaller cap um, mm. uh, growth stocks, more speculative, and particularly in some of the, the, when you look at the US, I think it's something like, something like 70% of the growth tech stocks are down more than 50%. So the, the, what's mm. it's actually much worse than what the, the S&P 500 would have you believe because some of the mm. bigger, higher quality names there are, are masking a lot of the pain that is elsewhere. Yeah. So you've, yeah. you've got, I actually would, I would actually argue that despite some of these nasty falls, things probably aren't great value for, for a lot of these mm. names. They, they, they were always unreasonable. Um, they a they never assumed that there would be any economic sort of um, speed bumps mm. f- for whatever cause, and that growth would just continue at breakneck pa- breakneck pace indefinitely into the future. And that's that's right. a very difficult bet to make. So we've sort of said before this was this was always my argument against afterpay. Um, you know, a year or so ago, is it is it a decent company in terms of how it's growing and its sales and the you know the goals that it's kicking? Absolutely, but I mean the mm-hmm. price was just at an eye watering level, and the danger is <laughs> is that when you're buying into stocks mm-hmm. that are just stratospheric in in their price and in their valuation, it only mm-hmm. takes the slightest wobble for things to really really come crashing down. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know if that answers. That's a long-winded answer to the question, but I, I think that kind of gets at it. it. Is is not to sort of say, oh, you know, this this will never be impacted by a recession. Yes, it will, yeah. but yeah. you know, there was always going to be one. And when if, if ever you're buying a company, if you're going to take that view that the perf- the future will be perfect without any difficulties mm-hmm. whatsoever, whether it be business specific or sort of more from an economic um, a macro lens, um, then that's that's a very difficult bet to make because if you're right. And that and that is true, and that, that we never have any troubles again. You'll get an okay return, but if it's not, you're, there's a there's a there's a very nasty asymmetry there. There's a lot more downside than there is upside. Now, call me crazy, but I prefer to see sort of positive asymmetry. Whereas if I'm wrong, there's not too much I can lose, and if I'm right, there's a lot that I can make. It's what what mm-hmm. um, uh, Pabri calls, you know, heads. Heads I win, tails I don't lose too much, and I think I think that's the kind of thinking that you need when you make an investment. It's a very difficult standpoint to make. Let it be said when you sort of and, this, and I, I speak from brutal experience on this front, <laughs> where you say, "Well, that seems a little bit pricey," etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then it goes up, and then it goes up, and then it goes up, and this plays out over a period of years. I mean, you just you've got a lot of egg on your face there, but it's mm-hmm. it's it, as painful as that is. It's still not a game I'm willing to play because again, it just it seems as though it seems as though the odds are stacked against me. There will come a point in the future um, when when that situation is reversed, where it's kind of like, yeah, could things get worse? Yes, they could, but the price is really not that demanding. It's not really, exp- <laughs> it's, there's not a lot of expectation price. So even if it does, yeah. there's not too much more downside. But if the future is a little bit brighter than than we're all assuming at that point in time, then there is a lot of lot of upside to be had. That's That's the dynamic that I'm looking for. 
nice, mate. We'll come back to Afterpay in a minute because it's worth it's worth chatting about. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's just rewind a little bit. Let's let's. I want to. We've talked about this before, and I'm, I'm mindful of covering the same stuff too regularly because um, our listeners either get it or have have already heard it and don't want to hear it again or don't need to hear it in the first place. And yet, I'm going to go back there because when we talk about inflation, interest rates, this is this is this hits the the, the zero type stories again from a different perspective, and this is why it's really, really, really important because. All those things you just said are absolutely true in the absence of the macro. Paying 20 mm. times sales for zero is a heck of a price. And yes, well, what's that absent zero? You talk about the absent macro. You said, it, you know, the recession comes and people aren't allowing for it. And so, you know, you look at that and go, man, that was expensive even if there was no recession. If there is one, it's even more expensive. That's crazy. And I think that's, that's absolutely true. But then there's this stuff that's actually going to be happening to us, which isn't just purely recession or recession at all, which is this change to inflation and interest rates. Mm. And we're going to get to housing in a minute too. And so we're going to trample all over some of these topics and try and come back to them. But uh, there's a reason to come back to housing, by the way, other than to let you rant. Um, <laughs> I was asked on Twitter, and I don't want you answering housing. I'm going to ask you to hold your, hold your tongue just so we can uh, keep on track. Uh, but by way of analogy, before, what, to set the scene, um, I wasn't asked on Twitter. There was a message on Twitter talking about the fact that, hey, um, interest rates will go up, but the housing will be okay because borrowers uh, are ahead on their mortgages. And my response was true, absolutely true. But housing pricing is on the margins. It's only the transactions that count, not the houses that aren't sold. So if I'm 10 years ahead or right on the line of my mortgage, but I don't sell, my personal circumstances don't impact the price of housing, only those who buy and sell. And interest rates by themselves should make it harder to borrow money. The banks will have a lower borrowing limit and you'll have to pay more back for the same value house because your interest rate's higher on the same amount you borrow. So I, I want, I'm going to leave housing there, mate. And I'm mm-hmm. sorry to do that to you. We will come back. Um, I'll bite my tongue. But when you think, well, but so here's the here's the analysis. So that and that's that. Hopefully, is reasonably straightforward to people, right? You can have a different view. You can take a different perspective. But broadly speaking, higher rates should mean lower prices mathematically. Now, there's not just maths involved. There's emotion, other things. But but let's just. So I use the housing example because it's kind of easy for people to conceptualize. Mm-hmm. When they talk about shares, and you say, okay, well, zero is expensive. Zero is expensive in a zero point one percent interest rate world. Mm. where profits are probably a decent way into the future, or at least profits that justify the price are well into the future. Mm. But in a world where inflation is higher, a dollar in the future is worth even less than it would have been in a low inflation world. So if I give, if you give me a dollar and say, look, how much do you want back in a year's time? You're going to say, well, I want more than a buck. Thank you very much. I, I, I want some return. Not only that, then I say to you, actually, well, the purchasing power of that dollar is going to be 96 cents by then. You're like, well, I want even more back than to cover that. Yeah. Because not only am I missing the return, I'm actually, time is eroding that value. And so if you think about the profits of companies, this is, this is the point I really want to get to. Think about the profits of companies who, or sorry, the share price of companies whose profits are years away or not even just total profits, but profits that justify the price mm. are years away. Think about the combined impact of inflation and interest rates on that dollar of profit. If you get a dollar's profit in 2028 or 2032 or 2069, probably too far away to think about, um, the value of that was already low it gets lower and kind of almost exponentially lower, not quite, but compound-wise gets lower, mm. the longer out you wait. And so it has reasonably said to a whole lot of people, hey, <laughs> should you really pay that much money for that loss-making business or that business is only making a few dollars of profit because by the time you get them, it's worth it unless you thought it was. Again, logically, logically, those things should be worth less. Yeah. The dollars of profit you're going to get in a few years' time 
are worth less because interest rates and inflation are higher when they're both higher, it's even worse. Mm. And by the way, that uncertainty is still there. And if they're carrying debt or going to want to get money from the market to fund their expansion, that's going to be more expensive as well. So I'm not I'm not a bear at all on growth companies. I, I'm a, I actually quite like growth companies. But it's absolutely logical. If you look at that and say, why have my tech shares fallen 25%? No, I'm not saying 25 is right necessarily, mm. but it's absolutely right to my mind and this is a bit more a statement than a question, Matt, but I'll get you to respond. It's absolutely right to my mind that you should be paying a decent amount less for a company if you're banking future profits after accounting for inflation and interest rates. Is that, is, am, I, am I completely nuts? No, no, no. That's, that's 100% true. Now, the, the rationale, of course, is, is that that's still okay if those profits are, are big enough. And, and here's the danger, right? So everyone points, and we've done this before too, everyone points to Amazon, right, which yeah. famously bled cash yes, yes. forever, you know, before they before they turned the profit tap on. Mm-hmm. And the reason they were bleeding cash was not because of the poor unit economics or anything like that. It's just because any time they, mm-hmm. they made some money, they took that and then some more and reinvested it back into the business. And it turned out to be a very smart thing to do because because now it's 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 a I mean the, the cash flows today justify um, the prices that that people were paying. The trouble with it right. is is that Amazon is the exception, not the rule. <laughs> That's and right, and exactly. I, you know me, I like I like my small cap stocks. And the number of times you sort of see these little. $50 million Aussie tech companies mm-hmm. that have barely made any sales sort of trying to, well, not maybe I shouldn't pick on the companies, certainly some of the people that follow them, rationalise and justify <laughs> the price by sort of saying, yeah. ah, yes, but that's what Amazon did. You know, it's okay yeah. for them to do yeah. it. And, and they're yeah. right. They, they are right. Yeah. But there's a very, it's like you say, the biggest little word in the English language, if, yeah. if indeed those cash flows <laughs> come and they are significant enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, to, and to your point is they have to be really significant and not yes. too yeah. far away. Right, because, right, right. Because if they're not, you know, as you say, a, a small increase in interest rates and therefore a, an increase in, in what we call the discount rate, how much we discount those future interest rates back, uh, cash flows back, makes a massive difference, makes a huge difference. And it comes back to my point of, of, of being careful of, of paying for perfection because anything exactly. short is going to lead to a lot of pain. Which doesn't mean, you know, I, I own Amazon shares for full disclosure. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you shouldn't buy growth companies. It doesn't mean you shouldn't. And if they compound nicely over a long enough period of time, they will leave all of these concerns in the dust. Right. If if you were worried about buying Amazon because of inflation, when the shares were hundred bucks, they're now they were now three thousand. Well, they are now. Um, maybe they would have been two and a half thousand or two thousand. You would have made still made a squillion dollars. So yeah. it's not to say don't buy growth companies or don't value compound growth, but there is a real question to be asked by the individual investor of how sure am I? How likely is it? As you say, the if word. Um, how much am I paying for it? What's my potential return? What, uh, let, me go on a, let me go on a tangential rant, mate, while, we, while we're here. I really have an issue with, I don't know who. <laughs> hmm. um, the idea that tech stocks are great or growth stocks are great hmm. or the returns from growth stocks have been great so they will be in the future. Hmm. And let me unpack that a little bit because I've just said I like growth companies and I really do. But you've mentioned the difference between companies and stocks in passing as you were chatting before, and it's a really good point. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I'll probably say it again and again. People love tech stocks because of this huge growth rate. Mm. But the only way that any company, including those tech stocks, can give you market-beating growth is if the market underestimates the future and you get it right. Yeah. 
And when I say the market underestimates the future, Amazon was never, in theory, at least in hindsight, and there's massive hindsight, so we'll come back to that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blind to that. Amazon was never worth five or a hundred or thousand dollars a share when it was trading for those prices. Mm. If you had perfect foresight, the Amazon share price should have been, I'm going to say, a thousand dollars in 1999. Yeah, so sort of the and current price discounted out. back by about ten percent each year to that point. Exactly, yeah. and whatever that number is, it might be eight hundred bucks. It might be. Whatever. It was never three dollars, and it was never nine dollars, never hundred dollars. Right, the growth of that Amazon over time has been, I suppose, now twenty percent a year or something since then. Mm. Um, when the market's up ten percent a year, so mm. you were getting a fantastic bargain because the market said, "I don't think that's going to happen. I don't believe it." Now, others went broke, so you're not wrong to say, "Will this startup e-commerce company make a fortune? Should I really pay that much for it?" No, absolutely not. But what I do think, mate, is that you talk about zero. Zeros, I looked at the PE. Zero is selling, selling for 2,800 time zones right now. Mm. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not a zero bear at all. Don't get me wrong. What I would say is the market is already pricing in a bright future for zero mm. at, that, at that EPE. Amazon yeah. was never at 2,800 times earnings in 1997, right? Yeah. And, and that's so, – so if you think about that and think about – and by the way, zero is a much more mature company than Amazon was in 97. Like this is mm. – zero is probably Amazon of 2012, pick a number. Mm. Um but when you're paying 2,800 times earnings for this business, or you're paying, I, I was on the call on Ausbiz the other day, there was at least two or three companies we talked about that were 45 times earnings. Now, what that says is the market's already pricing in the growth that you're hoping for. And so when you buy a company, even if a company is the next Amazon, if it's legitimately the next Amazon, hmm. but if you're being offered shares for the equivalent of $1,000 rather than $3 at that same point in Amazon's life, then the future returns you shouldn't expect will be spectacularly great because it's already priced into the shares. The only way a company can outperform, literally the only way a company can outperform, is if the current market's view is underestimating the future potential for that yep. business. That's almost by definition. Yes. Because if every business was priced perfectly, it wouldn't matter whether you're a garbage collector or a highflying.com stock or a social network or, God forbid, crypto, if... Mm. The market values it correctly based on what the assets can be worth in 10 years' time. Then every one of those assets will give you exactly the same return, which is not to say tech can't do well because people do underestimate it. And so there's not, I'm not saying you can't beat the market at all. We, I think you can, you think we can. Um, that's what you and I do for a day job. Uh, but it's, it's just a reminder that the only reason that tech as a, as a group or even growth as a group gives any sort of outperformance is because the market is underestimating the current, you know, currently is underestimating the future returns. And it may always do that and there may always be opportunity. But I just want people to remember, it's not like, hey, find the latest tech stock and to your point, it's the next Amazon or the next Microsoft or the next Cisco or the next Facebook or the next whatever. Mm. Company-wise, that might still be true. But it's all—it's actually possible Amazon lost money. If Amazon had been priced at $4,000 a share on listing because people paid 2,800 times earnings, Amazon would have been the greatest growth story ever that investors lost money on. Yeah. And that's entirely possible as well. End rant. Yes. Yeah, no, uh, 100% <laughs> agree. Um, so I'll start by saying I really hate the labels of growth and value oh, me too. and all of you know. Yeah. I, I, think, I think growth investing tends to suggest that mm. it doesn't matter what price you pay if it's growing yeah. fast enough. Oh, and I, I just, I mean, that's it's silly. Literally, uh, like- Fundamentally, mathematically stupid. Yeah, it's, just, it's yeah. Mark yeah. Munger says that you know growth and value joined at the hip, and yeah. he's right because it, I far prefer. There's a term you may have come across called GARP, mm -hmm. G A R P, growth yeah. at reasonable price. 
So there's nothing, there's absolutely, look, whatever your style is, you can buy a business whose earnings are, are declining by 10% each year and still do really well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you pay a low enough price. Yes, exactly. Um, and you can buy a company, to your point, whose, whose earnings are doubling every year and do really, really badly. If, if yep. you pay, t- no company is worth an infinite price, to, to quote mm-hmm. Charlie Munger again. So you, yes, you're, you're 100% right. You have to have all of that factored in. I think mm-hmm. there's, there's a bit of a narrative hangover too with tech because- I mean, think about the recent, when I say recent, let's go back a a decade or so. What we've had in tech are these huge structural disruptions of existing industries. So Mm. we've talked about real estate. Uh, dot com before, right? So mm-hmm. everything was on all the, these classified businesses that were all in in the papers, and yeah, that just completely right. went away. And that's that was right. completely eaten by these companies, car sales, etc. Yeah. And they just had insane high growth. Now, and so, and so, you, so, so these these very very high sales multiples were actually much more justifiable back then. The returns mm-hmm. were much more attractive, as we've said before. We talk about Amazon real estate was actually a better performer. Mm-hmm. Um, Realestate.com, I should say, was yeah. a was a was a better performer. <laughs> yeah. Why um, does it earn as much as Amazon or anything like that, or did it grow as much? No, not no, no. I don't think it did, but mm-hmm. the market didn't get it in twenty twenty two. Yeah. I think that 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 epiphany has been had by people, yeah. Yeah. and 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 we're now in a, a in a world where tech is everywhere. So it's kind of like just because you're a tech company doesn't mean you're you're you've got this automatic guarantee of incredibly insane eye watering growth. Yeah. Those those big structural transitions for the most not not in all cases. Um, there's still exceptions, of course. That's <laughs> that's what I'm on the hunt for. Um, <laughs> but 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 a, a lot of them have 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 now played out. Now you're you're competing against other tech companies. Now yep. you're competing against others who get the business model. Now you're exactly right. being yes, priced yes, in a yes. market for people yes. who understand the potential for all of this. So it's very, very different. So I think, you know, someone in 2006 could have made a lot of these arguments and and been extremely right and been extremely mm-hmm. well rewarded. Mm-hmm. It's a it's just a much more difficult argument when mm-hmm. when almost everything is tech to some degree. <laughs> I mean, even your bo- even your boring old retailers yep. are, are yep. very yep. very heavily in tech these days. With you know these yep. omni-channel retailers with you know online sales <laughs> and, and all the rest. It's kind of be, sort mm-hmm. of permeated everything. Software is eating the world to to. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to remember the person who said it, but to quote Mark someone. Mark Andreessen it was, mate. Mark Andreessen. Andreessen that's- not JP Morgan. Mark <laughs> Andreessen this time. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. So, yes, so, so yeah, it, it comes back to an oft-quoted uh, thing that I say, which is, you know, you know, valuation matters. And, and yep. yes, things can grow faster than other things, but at the end of the day, you need to pay a price that is sensible and that price mm-hmm. will only be sensible on the basis that your expectations for those future cash flows yeah. are reasonable. Yeah. And what you want yeah. is a situation where the market's completely underestimating that. That's that's where the big money's made. Yeah, I, I think that's important. It's just, it just, you know, I think uh, what, what investors run the risk of is making the mistake of conflating the business, um, the wonderful business model and economics for the share price. Um, we did a, a quick a quick plug. We're going to release a video on next Tuesday on our YouTube channel. So quick plug for the YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search for The Motley Fool Australia. Um, Trevor Machezzi, who's a spectacular analyst that I work with, uh, is reviewing a book called Capitalism Without Capital. And that very idea of the hmm. business model benefits of having a capital light business. I won't steal all of his thunder. Go and watch the video. Um, 
But it, it is obviously true that Zero's business is a superior business model to a steel mill or a car manufacturer because you don't need to add more capital to sell more units, right? Mm. More cars, more bars of steel. Okay, more factories, more people, more inputs, more costs, more, it, more you know, another version of Zero software, literally zero, cost nothing. <laughs> zero of the Z, cost nothing. It, it is obviously superior business model. You can buy, make it once, sell it a million times for almost free. Yep. But, and, and that's great, but, and you should absolutely pay more for a business that has that because its future profitability is going to be higher, its future growth rates and the ability to aggregate that profit is going to be higher. But at some point, you can underpay, as you've just said, mate, the worst business, the kind of 10% a year, you know, can be a better deal. In, at, at, a, at a price, the shares of poor old struggling General Motors are better value than the price of high-flying zero. Mm. Now, I don't know what that price is. I don't know, I don't know that either car company is that price where I'd say, I'd prefer one over the other just yet. But that very reality of just because the business model is great is nowhere near enough to say, and therefore you should pay whatever price the market is asking, yep. as, you've, as you've just so rightly pointed out. I think it's a really, I just, I just want to, you know, I, I, we, we, as, as investors, we all struggle sometimes separate the price from or the stock from the company. Yep. And you've got to do that. You've got to be able to say, man, what a great company, but gee, I can't pay the price. Or man, what a crappy company, gee, it's a really cheap price, I'll buy some. Or hopefully, what a great price, gee, what a, what a great company. And I get the benefit of both. And man, if I can buy Amazon again for $3 a share, then I'm going to do it every day of the week. Because if I can find the next Amazon at three bucks, I'm there. Yep. If I find the next Amazon that's already selling for $5,000, uh, per share, and again, in equivalent senses, I'm going to say, nah, you know what? <laughs> I love the business, but I'm not going to pay that price. And the market's caught on. Yep. The market has absolutely caught on. So just be careful out there. If you're buying companies because they're great, because they have great economics, it's just nowhere near enough. And you can't just say, and look, we, we say all the time, mate, you know, focus on the business, not the share price. You know, the, the share price is in the business. Look at the business. See if you like it. Mm. Those things are absolutely true. And I'm really just saying what you just said before, which is valuation matters. Mm. You mm. can't allow analysis of the business model alone to be enough. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> and look, there's exceptions to to that as well. So there's a couple, um, they're not well-known businesses, but there's a company out there called ARB. So anyone who drives a four-wheel yes. drive will know what I'm, I'm talking about. <laughs> Mate, you know, I, have, I, have, I have spent a little bit too much money at ARB just quietly. I've got a Hilux and a Prado. So uh, with they, they, have, they have, you know, they, you know the, have you heard the phrase all gear, no idea? I haven't. That is ab- no. that is absolutely. So my, my, my young bloke introduced me to me when, when I did Kokoda, uh, I spent again a lot of money on, on gear. I said, right, you're, you're good. Uh, he said, "We're going to name people like you." So what's that? He said, "All gear, no idea," uh, which which I think is great. I've never done it before. Right? He's like, "You got all the great gear. You, you know, you run your own now." And it's kind of the same with a car. Right? I've got this four wheel drive gear on my cars, and you know, I, I got le- a little bit more than no idea, but not much. Anyway, mate, it's a massive tangent. Go on. Oh, my, ARB, lots of gear. My point was that this, this, this it makes four wheel drive accessories. You know, it's it actually does. a fairly, fairly capital intensive business. You know, their, their net profits have tripled since 2013. Yeah. Um, or sorry, maybe not that much. It's certainly gone up a hell of a lot. Supply networks mm-hmm. is the one I'm thinking of. These, these are on the provide right. aftermarket parts and service to mm-hmm. trucking fleets, bus fleets, etc. Get boring as right. Uh, this this is not a sexy yeah. tech business. They have tripled their earnings since 2013. So again, just because something isn't tech doesn't mean that you can't do ridiculously well on them. Both of investors, long term investors in both of those companies, mm-hmm. um, have done have done exceedingly well. So. Uh, yes, that's so true. That's so. I, I love that point, mate. It's yeah. Uh, it's it's one I ask people all the time. You know, we talk about um, uh, uh, you know customer retention rates, right? And we mm. talk about recurring revenue. And I say to people, you know, which business in Australia have got the highest level of customer retention and the highest recurring revenue? And people throw out zero and other things. And you know the answer? It's the supermarkets and the banks. Yeah. The customer retention at a bank is spectacularly good. Yeah. 
the uh, the you know the, the the loyalty of a Woolworths or a Coles shop is spectacularly good. The recurring revenue. Who doesn't shop at Woolies or Coles once a week at least, if not two or three times? I mean, and this is the thing. And of course, people are saying, "Well, yeah, but it's not the same. It's not software." And and of course, they're different. But it's only like if you get caught up in customer acquisition cost and whatever, you should be buying Woolies if if that's what actually mattered. Mm. And I'm not saying customer acquisition cost doesn't matter. And I'm not saying you can't look at a growing company and yeah. do something different. But you think about that and think. If you know, if you don't define your terms properly, you, you fall off a victim of these buzzwords of, oh, how good, how good is you know, high retention, customer retention? Well, so you're buying Woolies? No, 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 no. Well, so that's, is that really the point then? Is that is that really the point? You know? Yeah. Um, I just I just think it's you got to be so careful. It, yeah, Woolies are not growing. The banks aren't growing, at least not much. Uh, they won't, and that's fine. And I'm not, I'm not saying you should put them in the same bucket as zero or or supply network or anything else. Um, it's just worth it's just worth being careful with the business model buzzwords. And when the market's going up, by the way, and let's go back to the market, everyone feels smart because you say, I'm going to buy a business with low customer acquisition cost, high recurring revenue, uh, great, you know, high net margins. dollar retention rate. Exactly, mm. right? Mm. And, you, and the shares go up and you go, see, I'm a genius. Yeah. And when the share price goes down, people say, bloody market. <laughs> you know, I'm a genius when the shares are going up. I'm, you know, it's the market when it's going down. And they weren't even wrong and the share prices might recover. And you've made the point, mate, before, and it's a really, really, really good one. The um, the afterpay story. We'll come back to that one. It was one hundred and fifty six dollars when the Square takeover was announced. Mm. They delisted and became uh, Square shares or Block as it's now called uh, at sixty six bucks a share. Mm. Back where they were in twenty twenty, not that long ago. And, and if you bought shares before, then you still made a lot of money. But if you made share, bought shares any point between, I think it was July twenty twenty, and today. You made you, you lost money. There was no the, the price was lower. I think once during that two year period, mm. right year and a half period, and it was a great takeover price and all that good stuff. And maybe Block goes on to do well. Maybe the share price recovers. And I guess my point is, I'm not saying it's a terrible company or you've made a bad idea because the shares have fallen since. Nor was I saying it's a great business because the shares went from 66 to 156 in the meantime. That's all. That's all noise, right? Mm. Um, but if you if you'd have if you'd have closed the doors a year and a half ago, come back today, your oh, shares about the same price. Okay, cool. <laughs> You know, yeah. everyone else has been all over the place. And you're like, oh, that seemed, okay, fine. I'm disappointed. I wanted more, but that's fine. Um, just because the shares move in either direction, particularly when the market's rising and falling and everything's going on for the ride, just don't make the mistake of thinking you're a genius or an idiot because the price in the short term do that. So many examples of businesses, even Amazon, mate, it's fallen more than 50%. I, don't, I think it's more than a dozen times mm. uh, from high to low in its life, right? And it's gone from three to 3,000 in the meantime. So it, just because they fall doesn't mean you're an idiot. Just because they rise... Just be careful not to think you're a genius because uh, these things have a way of, of working out in the long run. I think when we have these conversations too, it, <clears throat> it hopefully it sort of resonates and, and makes sense. But it does, I know, and people have said to me, it's just like, yeah, but how? It's so hard. How do I do all of this <laughs> yeah, stuff? Exactly. And yeah, it can, it so can, true. it can be. But it I really also can. think too, you can yeah. simplify it. it it's, it's, it's bloody share price movements that just sort of just really yeah. distract us. And I think yeah, you yeah. could take any average person. And just forget about the share market and say, I've got a cafe. Do you want to buy it? I mean, and what do you look at? You don't want to ask, well, what, yeah. are, the, what are the last five people you offered it to want to pay? <laughs> want to pay? That's a great way to do it. Do you yeah, know yeah, what I mean? Like, They'll say, yeah, oh, okay, totally. well, how totally. many, um, you know, what, what, was your, uh, what was your sales last year? Mm. How much profit did mm. you make on that? What was it the year before? Like, mm. what, what do you think I can reasonably do in, in the future? You, you, you'd you'd mm. make a very sensible decision. You certainly yeah. wouldn't take that cafe and pay 100 times what last year's profit was <laughs> un- unless for some reason you thought you could, you know, start selling 1,000 more coffees a day. Yeah. Um, Let me go further, mate. Because if, if the three cafes in the area were also selling for 100 times sales mm. or earnings, yes. 
you don't don't look, you don't look at the cafes and go on. Wow, they're really going really well. I guess I should buy a cafe too at hundred times earnings. That sounds like a great idea to me because look at the price action. The cafes have gone up in you know. It's like remember pubs. Pubs yes. were stupidly expensive. I don't know what they are now, but there was this time when everyone was paying a squillion dollars for pubs, and everyone did because everyone did, and then everyone stopped. Yeah. <laughs> like in real businesses, these you know, I mean, businesses on the stock market, are real businesses too. But I'm talking about whole businesses were selling for stupid prices, and all of a sudden everyone went. Oh, that's a dumb idea. And the mm. price of the pubs created. Mm. And everyone was just following the leader. It didn't make them worth more because other people were paying them. It was just they were exhibiting stupidity. And you either choose to join the stupidity or say, no, no, I see what's going on there. The, you know, the old emperor's new clothes thing. You know, yeah. Someone's going to say, no, nah, it's not okay. And it's exactly the way to think about it, right? So if, if, if I had a, a, a cafe and I'd held it for 10 years, you know, yep. and it's been a reasonably successful one. You know, it, it, it mm, maybe mm. after everything, all costs, wages, everything, you know, maybe I make a hundred grand a year. And over the last 10 years, it's managed to sort of increase a little bit. I've gotten a bit more productive. I've gotten some good loyalty, but you know, I'm probably mm. growing, generally speaking, a business like that, maybe three, five, yeah. maybe percent yeah. a year kind of thing. You know, you'd, mm-hmm. you'd probably be really happy to buy that off me for four or five times earnings because you know, I mean, just mm-hmm. think about it from this way. Forget about your capacity to sell this to someone else. You just own this thing now and you own it till the end of days. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I'll run it for another four or five years and I'll make all of my money back on the purchase price. And then every year mm-hmm. after that, it's just pure gravy, right? Like that's yeah. that's a really great investment. Assuming that I don't destroy the business by- Mm. You know, starting to sell really bad coffee and be rude to all the customers, <laughs> etc. Exactly. Yeah. yeah but yeah. at the same time, you know, if, if I if if you were to, you know, my hundred grand annual profit, if you were to pay mm, mm, three million dollars for that, mm. wow. You know, it, it's going to be thirty <laughs> years, excluding right. inflation, excluding opportunity cost, excluding all those That's kinds right. of things, before I even yeah. get back my purchase price, and then I can actually make a return on that. So mm-hmm. it, 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 it's really a simple way of looking at it, but that is exactly the way that you look at it with shares. For those that are out there yeah. going, oh, it all sounds very complicated, look at it like that. I've often said, pretend you're a billionaire and you're, 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 or a multi-billionaire in the case of some of these companies, <laughs> and you're thinking of buying the whole damn thing. And then yeah. once you own it, that it's yours. You, 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 mm-hmm. it's, it's not something that will be traded. You will just continue to hold this forever. You know, what, yeah. would, you, what would you pay? What would you pay if, if the market just closed all of a sudden and you were just left as an owner of this business and your returns only come from the mm. distributions, the dividends that you can pay yourself and other, other owners of the business, then, mm. then that's exactly the way to think of it. It's, it's just such a great mindset and it, it just dissociates you from what everyone else, what the mob is thinking. And if all the lemmings are running towards a cliff and happy to do whatever, you don't have to participate in that. But you will find a, a point in time, many points in time, uh, and many exceptions to the rule when when everyone else is sort of doing crazy things where you will get that that hundred grand a year net profit cafe being uh, available for two hundred grand. It's like I'm, I'm 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 whole after two years, and the rest is just pure profit. That's a great opportunity. It doesn't mean that it can't go lower from there, but that is the way to think about it without having to get too advanced with discounted cash flows and advanced valuation metrics and models and discount rates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Think about it, think about it with with common sense and uh, and fortunately, on the market, common sense is not too common, and and that's that, and the, and the combination of, of of a longer time frame is is a very very powerful combination. Yeah, I agree, and that, and that is the opportunity, right? I think that's that's where you can start to make sense. And this, what I guess the last thing I'll say quickly before we move on, because we've been we've banged this drum a little bit, but the other thing I I think it's worth mentioning is we're not saying I'm not saying anyway, avoid growth stocks or even avoid stocks that are hundred times earnings. 
if you can if you have a business that is you know strongly profitable growing nicely uh, but but is going to you know got lots of growth ahead of it again buying amazon for 3 or 100 or 1000 dollars was always a good idea dude right? i've i've no, got okay, stocks always. that are on hindsight. infinity times earnings right exactly exactly <laughs> So we're not saying don't do it at all. We're not, and we're not saying, you know, the only way you can invest is to buy a stodgy, boring, you know, no growth stocks at 12 times earnings. We're not saying that at all. All we're saying is just do the maths and understand what that path looks like. And yeah, absolutely be critical of your assumptions in terms of will there be a recession? What will happen? If rates go up, what will happen? If investors want to pay less of my shares as a multiple of earnings in 10 years because of high rates, what happens? So do that stuff. And if you still think it's a great idea to buy it, then do it. And, and Andrew has some of those. I have some of those. Um, that's, you know, completely an appropriate thing to do. Just be really, really, really sensible and don't get caught up with either the crowd of tech always wins or growth always wins. Certainly don't get caught up with shares are growing, therefore I, I'm a genius or shares are falling, therefore I'm an idiot. Just make sure you do the work on the business, understand what its future might look like and then work out how much you want to pay for those shares. Yep, exactly it. Mate, let's, let's move on to retail for a minute because... It's kind of a, almost a version of what we just talked about, and we, we've kind of got that much time left. But um, it's it's been a it's been an interesting little while. Uh, we've seen Adairs, I own shares, I own shares in Kogan. We've seen them come out. Premier Investments has been out. JB Hi-Fi has been out. Accent Group, I think, has come out. Um, and the shares of most of these companies have been reasonably whacked by the market for disappointing sales and profit results relative to last year. And you and I talked about it before we taped and we both agree, we kind of, I think you said, but it's certainly my thought, what else was the market expecting? Mm. We've known for weeks that late December was a crappy, crappy, crappy couple of weeks in their busiest, normally busiest time of the year. If you want to have two bad weeks of sales, you don't want those to be your Christmas weeks. No. And that exactly happened because of the, the Omicron wave that hit the country. Um, I won't go into the politics of it, let's just say that. Um, and, and we knew that. We absolutely knew that. We also knew that last year was a great year because everyone, particularly for those retailers with big online businesses um, and all those people who were spending money in places like JB and Adairs to fill up their homes with stuff they liked because they were cocooning or nesting or whatever you call it these days. Those things weren't surprising. I am flabbergasted <laughs> that we got to a point where people said, oh, Oh, it starts out. That's a massive surprise. I'm going to sell my shares, and I'm going to, you know, the shares are going to fall. I think it dares around twenty percent. You said, yeah, um, yeah. And you can't. I just, I, I am. I don't know, mate. I, I, I'm always amazed by the market. I don't know what else they were expecting. Obviously, not something like this. I don't know why. I don't know what they were smoking or where they were sleeping and not paying attention. But surely it was possible, right? I, I think so. Well, I likely. mean, I, I, I'm, I've been doing it long enough to know that it you know, that it was going to be a bad result and the market was, you know, certainly not going to go up that day. <laughs> yeah. But the magnitude of the fall really did stump me. I mean, yeah. just speaking of yeah. Adairs, I mean, their their sales in the first half were 34% above where they were in, in FY20. Right, exactly. You know, their online sales doubled over that period. But compared mm-hmm. to FY21, actually the first half sales were actually, well, let's call it flat, it was down half of 1%. Yep. You know, uh, and and they had flagged in their first quarter exactly how difficult it had been with, with the, the the Delta lockdowns, et cetera, in the first quarter, you know, even before Omicron had, had come along. Um, and it just, and everyone just got really scared and, and ran away. It, it just, it, it's, I don't know why it's surprising that I'm surprised, I suppose, is, is that's what should be surprising. But it is a, it is a good reminder that the market can do really crazy things. Um, maybe... Maybe the market was was uh, actually acting very rational in that sell down, and the price was just never justified in the first place. So I'll put that out there. I don't think that is the case, frankly. Um, I own shares too, and it is. Um, but but yeah, it's 
know, you shrug your shoulders, you go on. Uh, yeah, like it, I, I did have uh, uh, another mate of mine who who um, has got some as well. It's like, oh, are you going to sell? And it's like, well, what? Why? I don't understand. <laughs> What's changed? But the price is down. It's like, yeah, and it sucks. I'm not happy about that. By the way, my yeah. entire portfolio is down about twenty percent in the last three months. Yeah, <laughs> so, mate, mine's not much off that. It's brutal. Isn't just it? to put you, you know, just so you know, oh, um, for anyone so out brutal. there who's saying, "Oh, you guys don't get it," <laughs> I get it, right? I really get it. It sucks. Totally, totally. Um, but at the same time, yeah. you know, uh, over a much longer <laughs> period and on a compound basis, mm. very nice. Thank mm. you very much. And mm. and of the companies I'm holding, I really don't think. You know, I was, it was never it was never purchased on the expectation mm. of what the second half was going to be like in FY twenty two, and and yeah. nothing has really changed um, <laughs> other than that. So you know, it, yeah. it, <laughs> I don't know. I shrug my shoulders and carry on. It's kind of a bit like that, hey. It's um, it's interesting, mate. Um, yeah. Let, let's let's finish off. I, I promise you, get to rant about property, and we haven't got much time left. Uh, I wasn't deliberate, uh, but let's try and keep the rant as short as we can, uh, or not. Maybe maybe you've got some new uh, new uh, information to share with me. Uh, property prices. I tweeted during the week. I love this. Um, I just I just retweeted someone's Twitter. I can't remember who it was. My apologies. Um, just it was just a stat that housing was up twenty two percent during twenty twenty one. I just I just retweeted because I, I retweet some um. um uh, retweet some, you know, economic data from time to time, the ABS data or, you know, home loans or, you know, just, just whatever's going on them, just because followers, my followers just share it with my followers. That's kind of what you do, right? Uh, and you sent me a message saying, are you trolling me with that house price stuff? Uh, which, I, which I quite loved. I love. I, I love took it trade. personally. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. I don't know if you were completely serious, but I like to think you were. That you thought I might be doing just to, just to have a go at you. Um, it's, it's a remarkable stat, mate. These are all, of course, pre-interest rates. And again, 95% of the year was pre-Omicron wave. I don't, we don't think anyone really has changed their buying behaviour on the back of that. Mm. I was a little bit surprised because the new buffer rates from APRA came into effect in October or I think. Um, but it was still a remarkable year. I'm going to assume you think that's an unreasonable gain. <laughs> well, again, to be fair, <laughs> I might surprise you here. I think, again, oh. you've, you've got to... We've just started the podcast talking about well, that's just over the last year. Is there much significance? Mm-hmm. You got to look at the broader trend. So I will, I will mm-hmm. put that out there as well. Yeah, that's no, okay. You know, if you go back to five, so you go back five years ago since 2017. We actually in 2017, mm-hmm. 2018, mm-hmm. and beginning of 2019, prices actually came down a bit. Believe it or not, yep. on on average. So over that mm-hmm. period, it's 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 not 22 percent compound. So <laughs> you, you you do have to look at it in, in context. Oh, come on. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I think a lot of people make that point that you did before: is is that um, should interest rates go up? Well, one, buffers have been in place. Banks have hopefully been prudent in in measuring their clients' ability yep. to repay. I don't think there's going to be mass defaults or, or anything like that. Um, but I do, I do. I do have some concerns for people who have been buying at very elevated prices. That even if they can continue mm. to service the loan and that particularly those that have been negatively geared, and that, that is they structurally set themselves up to lose money every year to save a bit on tax and mm-hmm. justify that years down the track by a massive capital gain. I think that that is increasingly being called into question. Mm-hmm. You know, when something goes, so put it this way, we've always, we always try to link value back to sort of earnings and earnings capacity yeah, exactly. well, on, yep. on property that's rent, right, um, as an investment property. Um, and so rents didn't go up 22% last year. You know, so so on a PE basis for a house, it's just kind of gone really getting up there. And what you need to do, this is exactly the conversation we had before, what you need to do to justify that is to expect very sustained and significant increases in the ability of that 
investment to generate income, i.e. rent, mm. Um, mm. or and or you need mm. uh, a very firm belief that the market will continue to pay very, very high multiples of that rent. Yeah, right. And maybe that's true. Yep. <laughs> maybe it's true. But I would, I would also go back to my earlier <laughs> comments possible. that um, – Yep. there's asymmetry in that bet. That's kind of like they're, they're, <laughs> they're two pretty optimistic outlooks and maybe they're, again, I don't want to, I'm not going to do a Steve Keen here and, and sort of call a crash <laughs> or anything like that. But but if that yeah. is not true, there is a, even if you, even if you manage to <clears throat> um, service the damn thing, that big fat capital gain in three, four, five years might not be there. And then what you've got yeah, is something sure. that's actually losing you money each year and then eventually mm-hmm. when you sell it, um, yeah. you lose a bit more money again, even though even though you haven't had to, to be a forced liquidator or, or anything like that. That's my concern. Mm-hmm. Two, two quick comments on that. One, there is a very, very big difference between buying somewhere to live in and buying something as, mm-hmm. an, as an asset. Mm-hmm. So I really mm-hmm. want to make that point. I think it's, it's very different if you're buying a house to live in for the next 30 years and you're very comfortable yes. in your ability to yep. service it. The, the utility yep. you get out of that is insane. That's, that's totally different. If you're the teacher who's got six different investment properties leveraged up <laughs> to 90%, you know, that's something mm-hmm. That's something else uh, entirely. So I, I, th- I think that's a point. Yeah, and the final point I'd make, I think what's really interesting about this whole situation is that um, this is a word that got really popular during the GFC, but I, th- I think there's a really huge moral hazard in all of this mm. because no matter what happens, the government is going to do whatever it can. Yeah, that's right. Whatever yeah. it can to yes, mitigate yes. that. So it's kind of like that's probably the smartest argument for for, for going all in because mm-hmm. they're, they're going to do whatever they can to avoid that because any any whoever's in government when when or if property has a <laughs> be careful here my language if if yeah, property yeah. has a big fall is is absolutely yeah, yeah, going to yeah. get turfed out in the next election. Um, yeah, and it's also it's also something that not just for their own political self interest, just for the broader economic health of the economy. If if property was yeah. to fall significantly, yeah, and we're all screwed, whether you own a property yeah, or not. Because even right. if you're managing to to stay solvent and and um, service these huge loans, um, you're not. You've got far less money that that with higher interest rates that you could spend on a holiday or on a new toy or on other, you know, handbag, whatever it is that you're buying. <laughs> um, so it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have huge ramifications for the wider economy and, and almost certainly would, would um, instill a very deep recession. So, so that's, that's why it's a moral hazard. Go- government, and this, this is why Steve Keane was wrong. Poor old Steve, we, we mentioned him a lot. <laughs> but, you know, I think he was right. He was absolutely right except for he didn't factor in the, the policy response. Correct. Correct. And and that's why I'm very mindful too, because while I think in a pure, objective, rational, you know, hyper uh, financial sort of lens, mm. this this all looks pretty crazy. I'm very mindful of the fact that no government is going to is going to let that happen if they can avoid yep. it. And yep. yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I think I think I think the danger in here is as with as with shares is that what a lot of people will do is they'll see that 
wow, 22%, all it's done is gone up. I have to get in now. There's massive FOMO that's there. Mm-hmm. One, because I want I want some of those gains yeah, and exactly, I've, I've, waited, right. I've waited for too long. Yeah, yeah, but also yeah. for the poor old first home buyers, just like, oh, yep. man, I just, I've waited and waited and waited. I've, I've just, I've got to do it because, you know, if I don't do it now, it'll be another 22% higher next year. And, and yeah. you know, it's it's very it's – it's I really feel for them. I, I actually feel as though it's it's – the biggest driver in wealth inequality in Australia. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, it's, it's, we've seen what's happened in the US for slightly different reasons, mm-hmm. um, but I feel as though there's two classes in Australia: those that own property and those that don't. Those that have over any meaningful period, laughing. You know, those that haven't are, are, are extraordinarily difficult position, and which with with very little hope frankly, of, of, of getting out of that unless there is a massive price correction there that'll, that, that brings it to, to, to a more affordable kind of level. And that, yeah, that right. gap is just growing. And I think, I think that actually has big impacts for society and, and longer term the economy as well. Yeah, I like it. Really good points, Matt. I won't continue. I have I shared most of those thoughts. I have some different ones, but I share most of them. So uh, that'll probably do us. Matt, yeah. will you join me on Sunday for a mailbag? You know it. Beautiful. Fools, please do follow us on the socials. If you want to ask a question, let us know. You can do all of that good stuff. Um, You can hit us up on any of the socials. Let's start with Twitter because that's where Ram is. Go to sage underscore Sibian or at strawmaninvest on Twitter. On both Twitter and Insta, you can grab me at TMFScottP or The Motley Fool at The Motley Fool AU. You can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash scottphillipsmoney or facebook.com slash The Motley Fool Australia. I haven't done this for a while. Could you please, if you do enjoy the podcast, leave us a review, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Others don't tend to have the same review functionality, but um, people find podcasts based on reviews, based on listenership. If you like them or want to share them with your friends, please do that as well. I've said this before, but not for a while. We do this for you for effectively free. I get paid and hopefully it helps Andrew's business as well. So we get uh, we get paid to do this and we get some ad money as well, of course. But frankly, if none of those was true, Andrew, I would still be here because it gives us a chance to talk socks and, and investing. We love doing it. Um, but please help us help other people. So if you do like what we're doing, if you think that you've got family or friends who could value it, if you just want to leave us a review, five stars would be lovely if you wouldn't mind on the Play or Apple Store or whatever whatever store you're using, I'll let you rate your podcast. If you can do that, that'd be wonderful because the more people who do that, the more people will find the podcast and get a sense of what it's about. Uh, and we know that people tend to follow people. So if you give them a good reason to listen, they will probably do it. If you're not loving the podcast, I'm assuming you're still not here at this point in the podcast, but <laughs> feel free to let us know if, you, if there are things you want to see us change or do. We know though, You love our mailbag episodes, so we'll come back and do one of those on Sunday. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.